Hello everyone and thank you so much for uh, joining in on my sixth podcast episode and today I'm speaking to a very special lady who has helped hundreds if not thousands of my own clients remove their own mental barriers and obstacles to achieving their uh, incredible results with weight loss, with improved fitness, with improved body composition Um, and Kelly is a performance psychologist, Kelly Fay who has worked with the British Paralympic ski team and helped achieve phenomenal results with the athletes in Olympic Games. And she used the same principles around mindset and has really, really helped and allowed my own clients make quantum leaps and breaking down their own mental habits and their old habits and remove faulty mental programs to move forward with confidence to achieve their own goals in health and fitness. And today's podcast focuses on the bullshit that become motivation and what we actually need to do to reach our goals and why we would be waiting a very, very long time if we depend on that elusive emotion called motivation. We're all sitting waiting on it like a train to arrive. Um, but what Kelly helps us today with is understand what strategies we need to put in place in order to achieve our goals and why motivation doesn't really exist. So I know you'll all love this. Um, and um, yeah, feel free to comment or feel free to ask any questions at all or to contact Kelly. He's going to really, really enjoy this. So let's bring it on, Kelly Faye. Thank you. So hi, Kelly, and welcome to our podcast. Um, we have spoken so many times and you've spoken to my clients so many times. Um, I thought it'd be a shame not to bring you onto the podcast to share the information that you share with my clients that helps them so much. And they always say that your um, that your talk on habits and the, the BS that is motivation is one of their favorite talks and it really helps and they keep referring back to time and time again. So I think the big thing here is um, your knowledge and your expertise as a psychologist and sort of disseminating that down into reality and real life and how you can help people who struggle with um, STEM, this big word called motivation. Um, so look, I will let you tell people who you are, um, a wee bit about yourself and sure we'll take it from there. Thanks Tara for having me. Um, look, so I suppose I'm a performance psychologist so would have worked mainly in sport or high performance environments and it's really about giving people the tools and the tips and the strategies to help them I suppose remove the barriers or obstacles or distractions and focus on really um, being able to deliver good performance. So that could be performance in obviously like an Olympic arena or it could be performance in everyday life or in a very high corporate sort of um, job or something like that. So the, the tools and the tips and stuff transfer across all avenues. I suppose that's the really great thing about it from my perspective. Um, a lot of the problems are the same across the board. So, you know, somebody having a challenge of maybe wanting to lose weight or get fit, can, you know, there's similar challenges with athletes struggle with motivation for a four-year cycle or, you know, a CEO struggling with the motivation to, you know, keep the intense hours and be away from his family do you know so there's so much crossover between the board so I suppose today just just about sharing a wee bit of that and hoping that it helps your listeners yeah and I think you know I think with my clients and a lot of my followers you know one of the main um behaviors that they report is number one lack of consistency being on or off the debt being patchy with eating well and exercising you know the, there's a lack of consistency and you know, they often say, I have no motivation, I have no motivation. And you and I know that motivation isn't real, but, you know, sort of decant on the psychology behind achievement of any goal, whether it's a weight loss goal, whether it's a body composition goal, whether it's just getting, feeling better about yourself, improving your diet, you know, 
what it takes, Kelly. And again, as you say, you know, it's fundamentally we're all the same. It's, you know, whether you're a high performer at an elite level or you're a, a normal woman holding down a full-time job, you know, rearing a family and trying to be the very best that she can be with her health and well-being. It's the same thing. So can you kick off just with some of the, the main pointers, you know, regarding so you're going great guns for two, three weeks, and then the usual the usual scenario kicks in, you know, maybe the scales don't show you what they need to see, or maybe you've had a weekend of maybe overindulging and there's issues there and it just can lead to a downward spiral. So take it from there, Kelly. Strategies, please. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose Tara it's starting out I think the first thing with a lot of people get on board with things like this it's it is the sort of go hell for leather like let's just yeah. throw everything at it and unfortunately they don't stop to sort of think about what's what's real what's going to work like what can I commit to what you know what can I be disciplined within and we're all human and we're all going to have different barriers obstacles and different things that are going to come you know into play every single day um unforeseen things so I you know, we talk a lot about this idea of consistency, and I always say that the problem is people go all intensity, like it's all about the intensity. Whereas, you know, in psychology, we would, you know, in, in our world, we would sort of say it's about consistency over intensity any day of the week. So I would rather someone changes and we're consistent with that, do you know what I mean, over time, because that's where you're going to get the intense results. Um, so it's that kind of idea of having you know, if you were teaching someone to throw a ball, um, you know, you're not teaching them to throw it fast or hard. You're going to throw, think about accuracy right at the start. And I think that's the key. So it's about getting a bit of more accuracy with it, as opposed to thinking about the speed of, of things. And that's how we sort of should think about consistency and just maybe, you know, one or two things that actually won't make a major dent or major change in your lifestyle too much. You know what I mean? And then you sort of slowly build it up. But then it's also about where they place their focus so are we so fixated on these numbers you know on these scales or you know these different things like obviously everybody's different and they're going to choose different focuses but we need to think about the bigger picture and we need to think about what other things can maybe measure my health and fitness journey or you know things that are going on in my life you know whether it's a, a managing stress or whatever but we always sort of fixate on the this kind of idea of numbers so I think we need to really focus on you know, shifting our perspective and shifting where we, I suppose, ultimately place the focus. Because if I am only measuring my success by one thing that like, that is a number um, and it's outcome related, obviously, then I'm going to fall flat on my face at some stage in this journey. It mightn't be in the first week, it might be in the second, it could be eight weeks down the line or whatever. Yeah. So again, it's, it's sort of, you know, we, we talk about like elite people or successful people being really good at this kind of concept of focusing on process and you know this is something we I would cover with a lot of my clients from all domains it's like process 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 and everybody's sick of hearing about it because everybody just wants outcome but ultimately when they get success you know and you read any interview story of anybody they talk about actually just follow the process so think if you want to you know I suppose achieve and that's what we have to think about when we when we think about this achievement of you know our goals and success we have to think about focus on the process over the outcome. We have to focus on consistency over intensity. And we have to focus on our actions over our feelings because we are always going to have those days where we feel like crap or we don't want to do anything or we're unmotivated, we're bored, whatever. But if we can focus on those habits or those actions, 
well, then we're more likely to be successful. So process, consistency, and actions trumps outcome yeah. intensity and feelings any day. It's funny, I have I have four P's down here. Um, and these are ones I experience with clients a lot. You know, the perfection. So they try to be perfect. And when, you know, I was speaking to, I was speaking to one of my one-to-one clients there um, yesterday and we were talking about perfection and she's the type of person, she's a very high achiever and she could follow these prescriptive diet plans. And if she had one little thing that wasn't in alignment with what was written down on that program, to her, that was a failure. So that was a trigger. So not being perfect would trigger her. Maybe it might have been maybe one biscuit you know, over and above what was written on her diet plan, that would trigger her because it wasn't perfection. And the other thing then was patience, you know, that the other P, patience, no patience. Um, the, the, well, and I, I suppose as well, process is not something people think about because we are, as individuals and humans, we, are, we love things now. We want it, like, give it to me now. We're living in an instant gratification society. Give it to me now. Don't have to wait, you know, and they just will not they will not wait for that and then they they also wait for the zone they start procrastinate then and keep it well i can't do this again because i have you know i have a night out or have a hen party or have a wedding or have a party so i'm going to procrastinate i'll just i'll, I'll delay i'll delay i'll delay until i get to this perfect road ahead and then i'd be perfect you know so i procrastinate now and delay but i wait to this time when i'm perfect and then the patience is not there and then they don't understand so all these p's come into play and it's just you know, it's taking a step back and relaxing, you know, and calming down and realizing that, you know, there's, it's, it's actually, you know, it, it's the big picture here. And as you said, Kelly, with anybody who performs or who succeeds at anything in life, it's a matter of following the very simple processes and you're never going to be motivated. Motivation, you know, I'm, I'm rarely motivated. But as I often say to you, you know, I never really thought about motivation. It was more to me just doing the same thing every day and doing putting the fundamentals and the building blocks and the steps in. Um, and you just don't think about it. you do it whether you like it or not, whether you want to or not. You just the trainers go on, you go for the walk, you go for the go to the gym, whether you like it or not, you just do it, it becomes an almost ingrained. So for people out there who are waiting for this motivation, this magic elixir, this magic silver bullet called motivation. What would you say to them? Uh, just like motivation is is that one thing that I, you know, I'm constantly saying to people, I'm sorry, we need to let it go. Like we need to say there is more that we need to focus on beyond motivation. Motivation is a feeling. And I think the more people, people are kind of waiting on it as it's like, it's a production tool. It's something that gets me moving, but it's not, it is a feeling. I, I feel like it or I don't feel like it. And that's what motivation is. And I think that the more we kind of learn to accept that, so again, it's it's working on, on our sort of self-talk, our thoughts. If we can accept that it's a feeling, then we can override that feeling not to do something. So we can say, okay, well, I'm still going to follow my plan or I'm going to follow my actions or focus on the process. And I think that the more that people can shift towards realizing that process is controllable, fully controllable, whereas outcomes are uncontrollable, the more they will start to go, oh, okay, I get this. Now I can actually be in control of achieving success. Um, like I had an athlete yesterday, um, she's a, a runner, a long distance runner, and we were talking about a race that she was in the weekend. And we, you know, she she finished in a, a medal position, was happy enough because she's come back off five weeks of injury. So it wasn't, you know, optimal um, leading. But we were talking about different things and, and how outcomes kept coming into play during the warm up. Oh, I still really want this medal position. And 
ultimately when we broke it down and we talked through what went well for you in that race pre-race during race whatever everything she talked about was the process the process that she's been working on over this last while in terms of her cues her plan the tactical you know side of it all that and it wasn't until really the end of that session and this is about five sessions in that she sort of went oh it actually is about the process the process is what gets me closer to my outcomes and what I can control and I was like yeah we've been you know but it just takes everybody a while so I think if people can focus on the fact that process is controllable it's going to help and then with them that means that when they're not motivated or they're not feeling like it they're more likely to still stick to plan so with the motivation side of it you know when it's lacking let's really focus on you know I suppose to some degree, being disciplined and committed and do it in any way. Do you know, it's almost like, let's do it despite the fact that I don't feel like it today, or let's do it despite the fact that it's raining outside or whatever. And I think that, you know, this idea of the motivation, it actually comes from probably the, the self-doubt that, can I really do this anyway? Do it, oh, this is a big journey for me. This is a big task. Will I bother? Do you know, and then that's actually, that feeling of, of lacking of motivation actually comes from the self-doubt and our self-esteem, not push us, do you know what I mean? boils down to so I talk about the three m's approach which you would have heard me talking about before Tara but it's this idea if we're really really struggling just move take that first m which is the move you know open up the laptop start writing the email you know pull the trainers out of the cupboard grab the vegetables and start chopping whatever it is just move and then from that we get that little bit of momentum so you know what flip it I'm here now I might as well finish the dinner or right if the trainer's on sure I might as well open the door do you know um, and once we get that momentum then we can you know continue on with our journey which is where the motivation lies so it's very much about momentum being our action you know and I think that's just a very easy 3M sort of tip but I would really really encourage people to really go back to the process more than anything while it sounds boring and bland it is critical to success yeah, and I, I know even myself, you know, going into the gym and really thinking to myself, I'd rather not be here and talk, trying to trying to talk myself out of it. No energy, feeling awful. And you go and you say, OK, we'll give it, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go here for we'll give it five, ten minutes, see how we feel. And then you forget and you get in, you, you get into the mindset, you get into the group, you get into you're distracted by what you're doing, the action that you're taking. And before you know it, you're absolutely on fire 15 minutes later and they end up being the best training sessions ever and you walk out of the gym or you come back from your exercise session and you're buzzing and you're on top of the world and your entire state is completely different and I see that happen with so many clients as well I would say look I don't care if you're tired come let's go let's train and even if you even if you're only working at 50 percent, just move they're there and then they forget they forget how they try to talk themselves out of it and you know they just get into the zone and away they go um and as you say, that that move becomes momentum is so true. And I know it happens with me all the time as well. But um, yeah, it, it, it is. And, and I find that, that little male. Sorry. Sorry, because it's that little male Robbins, you know, she has that five, four, three, two, one um, yeah. kind of tip out there as well. So if you're really not feeling that just count down. And for a lot of people, it's so successful and it works. And it's exactly on the same principle. It's just that like count yourself down from five and by the time you get to one, okay, get up. Do you know? Yeah. Oh, just you're taking that step forward and yeah. And Kelly, with I know you're you deal with athletes at a very high at Olympic level. And I'm sure 
their human nature is exactly the same. For instance, and I'm trying to draw a comparison here, for instance, if, you know, I would have clients who have gone for years and they've repeatedly failed, you know, trying these strategies were fail, fail, fail. So it almost becomes their hardwire and then that they think, well, they can't and that there's something faulty within them and that they're flawed. And when you have athletes, I'm sure there's times as well where for long periods of time, success isn't happening and they're constantly failing. And what strategies would you put in place or what advice would you give to get these people back up and to have some sort of realignment within their their mindset well you, you can't do this and here's what you do yeah well self-doubt is is i suppose the biggest problem here you know for all of us and for athletes as well so when they're not seeing those results immediately because again they have they they follow that same process of wanting that instant gratification but it's so self-doubt creeps in can i achieve this am i good enough am i fast enough am i the best here you know, and what I sort of really have to reiterate with them is that self-doubt isn't the problem, but believing, believing it is the problem. So when I believe those thoughts that I have, because we're all going to have negative thoughts, there's absolutely, you know, no way that we can stop negative thoughts happening, but it's about whether I choose to believe them or not. And this is the same for anybody out there. So when athletes have those negative thoughts, you know, we really focus on trying to encourage them to change the thought, you know, so we talk about this idea of the three C's. So catching the thought early. So really identifying when that thought's coming into play and why is it, why is it coming into play? Because like, for example, is there always consistency when it comes in? Is it always around going to the gym or is it always around, you know, meal prep times, you know what I mean? When the self-doubt creeps in or whatever. Once we can catch it early, then we have the power to um, challenge it. And when we challenge that thought, where's the fact in this? Where's the evidence? Okay, I've been trying to diet, for example, for 10 years and nothing's happened okay and we challenge it so then we start we we sort of think well is it because I never stuck to plan or is it because I was actually not adopting things that was going to be in my lifestyle you know that would work in my lifestyle as opposed to trying to take a really all or nothing approach you know when we can challenge it we can decide if there's evidence or fact and once we most of the time there's usually never the proper appropriate evidence to hold on to that negative thought so then we can change it so it's about catch challenge and change and that's kind of our, our three c's that we follow, you know, and we get athletes to follow. But the other thing as well is this idea of, a, you know, a positive mantra or like affirmations or just self-talk. Like we talk about this, I am, like having an I am list. I am strong enough. I am resilient. I am capable. I am able to follow this. I am able to make good decisions. And I think sometimes like we need to just take pen to paper and write down a list of I ams and we need to start believing them. And that's what we get athletes to do. It's all around positive self-talk and changing that, that narrative that they're, they're telling. Because if we continually tell ourselves that we're not capable and we're not good enough and we're not going to succeed, well, of course we're not going to succeed because we really believe ourselves. So it's not about having the self-doubt or the negative thoughts. It's about choosing to believe them. And we, we do have a choice how to respond. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't, think you know or they think they have to stop it but yeah. you're always going to have those little words so lean into it accept mm -hmm. it acknowledge it and decide what you want to do about it make a decision so for those athletes they then change their focus and they're they have many goals what are these many goals so if I don't know if I haven't seen their progress or hit a PB in three or four years they now shift their focus to mm -hmm. what success might be so success might not be losing two stone in the scale you know, for someone, it actually could be something completely different, being able to walk for 15 minutes without being out of breath, do you know? So really try to see if you can shift your focus onto other goals um, that are maybe non-outcome related as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we talk about, about habit there and a lot of clients would say that 
they think, you know, it takes them about two or three weeks to get a new habit, but I know um, that it takes a lot longer. Can you talk me through habits and how long does it actually take to repeat a behavior over and over and over again for it to become part of you? You know, how long does it take? Is there research on this? Is there, you know, what's your, what's your thoughts on that, Kelly? Yeah, so James Clear has has written the book Atomic Habits. I know you've you've I think you've read it before, Tara, you've referred to it, but he his research and his book suggests that it takes 66 days to form a habit. And a lot of people don't like to hear that because it used to be the, the research used to show us that it only took about 21 days. Um, but no, unfortunately, it takes a lot longer. So it takes roughly around 66 days. Okay, so a few months to ingrain that as a habit. Um, but the key with habits is making them enjoyable, making them sustainable, do you know what I mean? And, and making them, you know, small enough that, you know, there's a chance of building on them and there's a chance of maintaining them. Again, a lot of people try to overhaul their whole routine. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's this whole idea that because someone gets up at five o'clock or some book tells us that we should get up at five o'clock in the morning. Do it. Like I call BS on that. You have to use what's, you know, like what works in your schedule. So if five o'clock doesn't work in your schedule for you to get up and go exercising before work, because the thought of doing that like gives you the horrors, you know what I mean? Then you look at your schedule and think, right, where would work, where would, you know, entice me? And how can I then make that a habit? How can I make that consistent? So we, we talk about, you know, this idea of kind of having, setting that routine, you know, um, and having your sort of like little kind of cue with it and things like that, you know, so what's the reminder? So the reminder for me that I exercise in the morning is the fact that I set my workout gear the night before I go to bed. So that acts as a cue, do you know, when I do that, because that becomes a habit every night after I brush my teeth, set the workout gear out. So there's my cue that I know what I'm going to do the next morning, do you know? And then once I go through that routine, I get some positive feedback because even though initially I didn't want to do it, once I've done it, I'm getting that positive reinforcement. And then that is my reward which then just get, keeps us going back in that little habit loop, you know? So it's very much about just keeping it simple and thinking about what's the smallest habit that you can ingrain or, or you know, adopt into your lifestyle that actually could make a huge impact. Because again, we are so drawn to these big, big, big things. And that's what sort of cracks me up as well. Like we're so focused on the big details, but actually the big details, a lot of the time take care of themselves. It's the small details that really matter and add towards the journey of whether you're going to be successful or not mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and you know I, I deal with so many clients as well who have successfully managed weight loss in the past and have lost weight but and were in, and they would say oh, I was in a great routine I was in a great habit you know I was I was walking with my friend I was eating really well I was well organized I was well prepared and then something happened an event happened that took them out of their habit you know, in the same vein, how long does it take to, to, to create a habit? How fast can you get out of that habit? You know, I know you talked before about, we talked about habit stacking, but on the reverse end of that, you know, what's your thoughts on, okay, so say for instance, you had a holiday and things didn't go as planned or there was a life event that knocked you off kilter completely. Um, can it really, really, is it that event that knocks you off or is it a decision that you've made mentally? You know, is it can, is, is there a certain period of time that can knock you out of a good habit? You know, I hear a lot of clients would report that they were going great. And for instance, over lockdown, I had been brilliant over lockdown. I walked every single day, you know, every single day I walked. It was better organized my food, prepared really well. And then since lockdown, restaurants opened and I've gone off the rails, you know, eating out more, 
motivation, the motivation's gone. You know, how do you, how, re, in reality, coming out of that habit? Talk about that, Kelly. Tell me a wee bit about that. Well, we talk about this idea of, you know, two days in a row. Once once we sort of miss something two days in a row, if it's a daily habit, for example, um, or if it's a weekly habit and you miss it two weeks in a row, you know, you're starting to build a habit in the wrong direction, unfortunately, you know. But I think, like, you know, it's probably a wee bit more than that in terms of, like, if you've really been doing something consistently for a year or longer, you know, it's not going to be just two days in a row that's going to get you there. But what happens is that you become to accept the, the problem is people shift to I accept that no it's okay to not walk or you know just say walking daily walking salad oh they, they they miss two days in a row and they then just go yeah that's okay you know that's fine nothing nothing bad happened I can do that and then all of a sudden comes straight because again it's like anything like we yeah. don't have one day bad eating and all of a sudden you know in the stone you know what I mean it's that type of thing so people they it's their it's again how they're thinking about it they yeah. then become oh you know what this is okay this is okay for me to do that nothing bad's happening and they stop focusing on why they actually did it in the first place do you know what I mean in terms of for health for weight whatever reasons um so it's about again choosing your response to that so if you recognize like I think things like measuring stuff so like having a um, calendar in front of you a diary whatever it is you know habit trackers like I use a habit tracker on my phone you know things like that that you can just click the button and you you get the little text and you see when we see things visually or, you know, having it written down on a piece of paper in front of us, it gives us so much reinforcement. So if I look at that and I, all of a sudden there's three days where I don't have that green tick or whatever way I like to mark it, it can be really disappointing and it can actually, you know, hit us hard in that sort of self-esteem sort of capacity that we go, oh, okay, do you know? And then that's, you know, can be enough of a driver to get other people back on track. But the key is just to choose your response. So when you recognize that you're not doing it or you're off kilter is why, 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 what's taking you off? And I think that's the other thing is, is it, is it that one life event? Is it that holiday? Is it whatever? Or actually, is there another reason behind it? Did you not enjoy it in the first place? Yeah. You know, because I think that's a lot of things as well. Is Absolutely. People take on board habits because it's what they're told to do or what, what they're supposed to do yeah. and they don't know how to enjoy it so, yeah. you know yeah. and if, if you don't like walking I, I'm never a walker Tara never a walker and yeah. you know I suppose just because I've always been sporty and never interested in walking but now I have it's my non-negotiable I get out of my walk every day but what I do is I listen to a podcast or I listen to my favorite music if I'm not walking with somebody if I, if I have a walking partner even better because we chat but that's that's made walking enjoyable for me do you yeah. know what I mean is because I go oh I get to I get to listen I get to do something really good with that um whereas I think a lot of people take on board habits that aren't sustainable and yeah. that's the real problem it's yeah. not you know it's not the consistent side of it yeah it, it's it, and as you say you know that have walk it's like a, almost like a form of habit stacking then when you enjoy it and you marry it up with like listen to a podcast whether it be an education or a mindset or personal development then you're creating a, a brand you know you're, you're learning something else which is becoming another positive habit which is feeding you know becomes a snowball effect which is fantastic but you know I, and I often say to clients as well you know particularly in my line of work when we're talking we're trying to improve people's diet particularly if they're trying to lose weight or if they're they're obese and they want to move into a lower sort of bmi category and they tend to see things very much in isolation they don't look at the big picture you know it's like um you know if you have one month and maybe one week in the month you know your calories weren't in a deficit you're in maintenance you know, instead of focusing, because we tend to focus on the negative as opposed to look at the big picture, you know, let's look look at this. So three weeks out of the month, we're, we're really good. So 75% of your month, you were adherent, that equals success. 
you know, you don't have to be 100%. But as again, this is perfection, you know, uh, perfection, being consistently, wanting to be consistently perfect rather than just, you know, be consistently good. That leads to failure of quite a lot of people and realizing that if you have 365 days of the year, within that 365 days, there's going to be periods of the year, particular days, that your decisions may not be in alignment with your goals. But again, having the patience to see the big picture and to wait that little while longer to create the good habits and to understand it takes a lot of pressure. People realize, okay, okay, you're actually right. You know, it is the big picture here thing, it's the big picture thing, whereas traditionally that might have led them down. Oh my God, we had a really bad week. Sure, you know, screw it. I may as well kick it in. Another failed diet, another failed exercise regime, you know. But big picture thinking is a huge issue, you know, I find for a lot of clients. But another thing I find, Kelly, and maybe you could help us out on this and help our listeners, um, is sometimes your environment can be a real stranglehold on your success especially when it's something that you can't control um you know and you need discipline and willpower of steel and like for instance i'll use an example of um a client that i coached she was a nurse and she worked in a situation where she didn't have to go into the staff room and she was walking loads and she's getting plenty of steps and then all of a sudden she was moved into a new nursing environment where and as you well know in hospitals you know we reward our nurses with boxes of chocolates and we thank them for their kindness and you know Every time they go into the staff and they're looking at that and they don't get time to eat and they don't get time, you know, they're, they're picking and they're running because their job's so busy. And that environment is very, very challenging, you know. Um, also clients who maybe are living in, in a home environment where their people around them aren't in alignment with their goals, who aren't supportive of what they're doing. That's also very challenging. And these are things that you can't control. How does somebody take those sort of elements they can't control but still create success? I know, and it's it become it's a mindset, Tara. That's what it is. It's like it's not necessarily that there's little magic tips and tricks. And I've I've been there. I've, I've been that person that sat down and someone's like, "You'll have the cream bun." And you're like, "No, I don't want the cream bun." And they're like, "Eat the cream bun. I bought it for you." You know, type of thing. And you're like, "I don't want the cream bun." You know, it's like some people, and I suppose it's just a real Irish thing too. We're all feeders, aren't we? You know, and, yeah. and you can't go into somebody's place without a load of food in front of you. But it is it is it's about sitting in that discomfort. You know of discipline and I think that's the thing here it's about not being able to afraid to say you know and again it takes courage um it takes a little bit of courage and conviction to say no thank you uh, you know this is I have a plan and this is what I'm doing or whatever or adapting your you know mindset around your food and stuff that you know okay I'm going to be presented with two or three scenarios of this every week so how do I make sure, you know, how am I pre-planned? So whether or not you've eaten before you went, so you're actually full and you don't want anything, you know, those little things that I'm sure you're already sort of teaching your clients. But for me, it's more just about having that conviction and courage to say, no, no, you know, this is what I'm doing and I'm sticking with that. And you don't have to tell people your reasons or, or things like that, but you know one in your own head and it's about almost like preempting those. So if this happens, then I can do this. So again, everybody's individual. So for example, that nurse has changed the environment, but now she knows after a week, she goes, okay, this is what this environment looks like. Now, what can I do? Where's the solutions? How to be proactive? Because I think what happens is we go, this is my environment. I'm stuck in it. This, oh, there's nothing I can do. And we become a wee bit resigned to the fact that, you know, oh, I don't do the cooking at home or everybody around me eats this and then I'm yeah. trying to eat healthy and that's such a distraction. But you know what? It's, you know, and I don't mean this in a harsh way, but we're just making excuses. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, we all have the capability to make the choice. So I think when you're in that kind of situation and something changes, 
we need to readily see it and say, okay, this is the situation I'm going to be in. So what are my possible obstacles and what are the possible sort of solutions here? So it's kind of like that idea of the FN planning, because we would use this a lot in sport, because when you can see um, and start to be prepared for that obstacle, then it's not going to blindside you. Then it's not going to knock you 20 feet the wrong direction or knock you out of your habit kilter. Do you know what I mean? Because you are prepared for it and you know that it's a challenge. And, you know, there's a, there's a nice way sort of analogy about the idea of like trees, like, and I didn't ever realize this until recently, but like you can limit the growth of a tree by the pot that they're in by the size of a pot you put in. Um, and so I think that's something that we actually do to ourselves. We limit our own growth by the environment that or the environment that we allow ourselves to stay in and live in and stuff like that. And I do think that we have a choice that we can, you know, so even if it comes down to the people that we're surrounding ourselves with or, you know, using fear as a kind of, you know, driver or not believing that we can actually do something, they're all ways that we limit how, how much we can grow or how much we can challenge ourselves when faced with the obstacles. And I just think that it's really important that we audit those limitations and that we prepare for them and we actually think about how we overcome them because we will all find ourselves in a pot at some stage that well, there's, there's, they're staying where we are do you know what I mean and, but if and, we and want to that, go we have yeah to. and, and that, that becomes your restrictions then and you've, you, you place them upon yourself there's so many clients I speak to you know one-to-one -one clients and you're you're taking them out of the pot you're you're, you're taking a sledgehammer to the pot and you're breaking it down you're saying well actually it's not your children's fault and it's not because of your job and it's not because of your age and it's not because of your husband or your friends or your social life you know Let's smash open the pot. Let's let let's expand our thinking a wee bit more and take some self responsibility for our decisions and our actions. And you always talk about your response. And you know, I, I, and people always say, "God, I'm just not disciplined." And um, you know, I, I know we often talk about this. It's, it's about your why. You know, it's. I spoke to a client there this morning. She was talking about how extremely hard it is at the minute to try to lose weight and she has such a hectic social life and I'm saying look your social life that's fantastic it's great to have a social life but it's the decisions that you make the choices that you make when you dine out you know do you do you yeah. throw caution to the wind and just order what you want or do you make decisions in alignment with the goal that you have for yourself which requires discipline to make those choices so yeah it is it's, it's a tough it's tough but but people don't want to sit people don't like to sit in that um, area of discipline so we all want to be disciplined but we're not prepared to sit on the uncomfortableness of it because it is uncomfortable it, yeah. it's not fun it is not fun to be disciplined and people aren't willing to sit there and I think the more we can become comfortable sort of sitting in that sort of discipline uh, environment you know and the other side as well is accepting that it's going to be difficult yeah. um you know everything that we do um everything that we achieve any success that we ever experience probably has come from challenging or difficult situations and again I just think that we need to really understand how we respond when things are difficult. So do I do I go to the biscuit tin when I'm under stress or when I'm feeling challenged? Do I, you know, sit and eat my emotions? Do I give up something that I know is good for me, like getting outside walking or what, you know, what, what goes do I sleep in? What, whatever it is, what do I do when I'm challenged or when things are difficult? And again, the more that I can address those and understand those, then the more I can say, right, okay, so this is what I tend to do when things are difficult. So this is what I need, or this is what I need to put into place or that. So I just think it's so important to reiterate the fact that like, if you're going to achieve anything, you need to be prepared for the fact that it's going to be a difficult journey, but it is going to be worth it, you know? But, and I know that's a bit cliche, but it will be, but it will be really challenging and difficult as you, you know? 
Kelly, every time I speak to you, I actually come off the phone, I come off the phone, I come off our Zooms inspired and empowered. <laughs> and, and this is no different. And look, I know anybody listening to this is, um, I know I'm going to get so many messages about this because I know when you come on to coach your clients, you know, they, they, they talk about it for weeks on end. And But look, I, I really appreciate everything you've done today coming on um, and going through these real life scenarios that people experience that, People think that they're they're special unicorns and it's just them that experience it, but realizing that we all experience it and we all have this journey of discomfort when we're trying to reach a destination, you know, um, that maybe we haven't reached before, we weren't very successful reaching before, it does require stepping outside your comfort zone to have that support and, you know, to listen to the podcast to somebody like yourself explaining the scenarios and the situations and giving strategies is so helpful. So Kelly, where can, um, where can my followers find you? Um, Give me your Instagram handles and everything else that people can follow you and see your content. Um, it's KF Performance. Um, so KF underscore performance on Instagram. Um, and I do wee weekly videos, like a wee Monday video, just areas around mindset that can impact people in any kind of domain they find themselves in or any environment. Um, and I'm also on Facebook as KF Performance as well. And I'm on Twitter as Sports Psych Faye, although I'm not as active on there. So definitely Instagram or Facebook. Um, and, and like, you know, I've said to you before, Tara, like I've had some of your clients reach out and just ask me individual questions through those uh, channels and I can fire them back some maybe more personalized information because okay. I recognize as well, like a lot of the topics that we're discussing today, it's not people aren't necessarily getting the way cues and tips and strategies because it really is about a mindset shift. Like it's about changing the way we think yeah um you know what i mean and that's the key and we can only do that through repetition so yeah. as the saying goes like the best time to start was yesterday but you know if you didn't start yesterday then you need to start today because today is the second best time and i think that's what we just need to get into that habit all the time it's like start now there's there's never a right time so just start yeah you know? it's and, and and sometimes people think that the diet is the sticking plaster it's not it's the behaviors and it's the mindset and it's the hard wiring <laughs> upstairs that um, creates long-term behavior change. And that is so important that we fix that. So no, thank you so much, Kelly. Um, it's been, it's been a pleasure as usual and um, all the best. Thank you.